Um, so if you have a Bible, um, it'd be good to have. Um, we're going to be in several different passages, and there won't be anything on the screen, obviously. So um, let me pray real quick, and then we'll, uh, we'll see what the Lord has for us. <laughs> Maybe these firemen need to come in here about the new earth. Oh, six stations. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this evening. Um, I thank you for um, a system and a structure in our community that keeps us safe, uh, even when we're already safe. <laughs> that. Uh, protects us, and God, thank you that you're a God that's, that's a protective God. Um, thank you for this evening. I thank you for the promise of heaven and the promise of the new earth, and I pray that you would lead and guide our, our time tonight, that you would kind of hone us in here and talk about, as we, as we are somewhat distracted, as the kids are probably somewhat flustered and excited and confused, and um, so God, use our words as Danielle and I talk and, and lead this time, and um, would your scriptures reign, and would you teach us about the promised glories of what's to come? Uh, in Christ's name, amen. Um, so I'm just going to open and kind of do the intro here um, and give you a little bit of history. Can you guys hear me okay? It's echoing a little bit, so I didn't know. Um, give you a little bit of history of why, um, why this topic and... Um, Basically, like, it was really birthed in, in my heart um, probably a year ago, and it was in the middle of foster care, um, and some of you know the story, but the whole foster care experience has been, um, it's had lots of highs, lots of lows all over the place, and um, in December of last year, I got to the point where it was just, it was the lowest of the lows as far as... Um, the rea- the reality of like what our life now looked like and it just fe- felt chaotic and um, I think basically I'd been running on adrenaline that whole time and then all of a sudden I just hit a point where I just wanted to be done and like wanted to check out of lots of different things and in the midst of that um, we had done a lot of studying on like broken children and broken homes and um, a lot of that stuff. And God just like quieted me and said, I want you to stu- just to study heaven. And like, it, was, it was a weird thing I felt like he was telling me to do, but I was obedient to it. And um, through that, gosh, God just um, reminded me about what studying heaven and the new earth brings and how it brings perspective to fuel our endurance um, and to remind us that this isn't our home. And so like... It's what got me through to, to be to this point where I'm like the day before our adoption and I'm happy that we're adopting Danny and Amelia. And I can say Danny and Amelia because when this podcast goes on, like they'll be ours. And so like it's what God used to, to sustain me and I feel like um, it's what he has for us. Like sometimes life just feels so low and it's really hard. And, um, and even on the good days, thinking about heaven, as well in the bad days, thinking about heaven and the earth. Like, it's just invigorating, and God's just like, this isn't home, so this isn't all that it is to, so let's just keep on pressing. And so that's really, like, 
um, kind of where we're at. And I just want to give one more analogy um, just to like hone in on this and then we'll talk a little bit more of like how we're going to structure this. But um, so all, most of all of you guys know I'm a personal trainer. And so one of the um, most fun analogies that the Lord has given me is um, when I'm having people do like burpees or planks or whatever, and some of you are smiling because I've trained you. Um, like, let's just throw out a plank, for example. You get to the point where, like, the, these people are like, I can't do this anymore. And they're just, like, gritting their teeth, trying to, like, endure to the very end. And I know you only have 10 more seconds. Let's say that. And I'm like, you only have 10 more seconds. And their first thought is, isn't only 10 more seconds. It's, ah, I still have 10 more seconds. And, like, meanwhile, I'm over here saying, it's only 10 seconds. You can do this. I get to encourage them, um, to say, like, the reality, it's not that much. And so, like, God's just reminded me that that's, that's what he's saying to us. Like, when we get to those points where, like, we just don't want to, we want to quit. We want to check out. He's like, it's only a little bit. Like, you've got this. You've got this. We feel like it's so much when we get to those places that we can't go on. And he just speaks encouragement and love and kindness in that. And so, um, that's really where this was birthed and why this is so exciting for us. Um, to get to share this. And I, my prayer is that you guys leave excited. Like, I actually prayed over all of you guys. Like, if, if I knew you were coming, I'd pray for you by name this morning at 3 a.m. And just said, all right, Lord, like, you have something for all of us. And so um, I just ask that even in your spirit right now, you just say, like, Lord, what do you have for me? Like, it's an exciting topic. This is our home. We're talking about our home. Like, it's exciting. So I don't want you to leave being like, well, that was good. I want you to leave, like, saying, I'm encouraged by the Lord. Um, so basically the way we want to structure this, and some of you might laugh, um, but I, this is kept an analogy here. I love analogies and I love illustrations and I, I need to connect things. So this is the way I connect. It's a really good analogy. She's about to unpack. Um, so Tobin loves dinosaurs and I've been Christmas shopping. And so my whole world has been revolving around what's the perfect dinosaur presence I can get Tobin. And I watch. Right. So, for some reason, dinosaurs has been on my brain. So God showed me that this was a good analogy for the concept of having a new, the new earth. And um, so dinosaurs are things that we know that existed at one time. But none of us and nobody that we know knows anybody that knows anything outside of the bones and things that we found out from dinosaurs, right? So they existed before we existed or know. Um, and so... There are the three parts of the dinosaurs that, like, we're talking about bones. Um, and I want that to, to illustrate the revealed truth in the Bible of what heaven is and will be. And so you think, like, bones, it, just like dinosaurs, bones is what we know. We, it's tangible. Like, we have the Bible. We know what the Word of God says. So you have that core. Um, and then the next part is the flesh. And so the flesh... So let's just go back and forth between our dinosaur analogy and this truth. Um, so the flesh of a dinosaur, is we don't have flesh to say it was like this. But we have the bones to know how the flesh fit on there, right? So we take the bones that we know, and then we can make assumptions based on the bones about the flesh. Is everybody following me kind of so far? Um, so the flesh, it really represents um, truth like that builds on the framework already established by the bones, and it allows for safe speculation because it's based on fact. So it might 
You, it might waver. It might not be exactly what it is, but it's safe speculation because it's really grounded on the truth that we do know. And then the next part is the behavior. So we don't know what how dinosaurs really acted, right? Like, we know kind of based on their structure, whatever. But, like, that's where there's dreaming. So if you're following me still, so the behavior is what builds upon the revealed truth and the safe speculation to give room for dreaming and allows God to woo us to himself. The behavior aspect of this analogy should always be rooted in a heart of worship. So that's the important part. Um, and at the end of this, I hope that you feel God saying, like, it's okay to dream about heaven. So we take what we know, and we apply it, and we, like, kind of figure out what he said and how that fits in. And then there's parts, as long as it's rooted in worship, where he's like, dream. Dream about your home. And I want us to feel that freedom, um, because it still can be worship. And... Um, Basically, like, there's a statement that I wrote. It's, um, this is simply stated, it's where abundant joy and total commitment to the glory of God come together, this, this dreaming part. And so um, we'll get to that a little bit more, but that's kind of the three things that were how we wanted to divide that up. And Dave's going to tackle the bones part. I'm a bone guy, so. Um, so we're going to look at several things. I'm going to be in Revelation a lot. Um, so if you want to open to Revelation, the scary book in the Bible, um, for some. And, uh, but I want to kind of begin with, uh, with the beginning, uh, with the garden. Um, so in the Garden of Eden, uh, it's what we know as perfection, right? It's what we know as God created everything, and he said, this is good. And he creates everything in the universe, and he says, this is good. And he creates man, and he creates woman out of man. And he says, this is very good. Um, so that's, the, that's really what we know perfection to be. As we look in Genesis, and many of you are familiar with Genesis, talking about the beauty of the Garden of Eden. And um, the tree, the tree of life. It's also a tree of the knowledge of good and evil that was, God said, don't eat of that. Um, so I don't know if there's some instance where evil existed, but mankind didn't know of it. Um, so sin wasn't present. But um, in the fall, in the, the choosing to deny God's will and God's plan, um, Adam and Eve's choice brought a curse on everything. Okay, so from the very beginning, from Genesis chapter 3, you, you have everything we know here has a curse over it. Um, is cursed by the fall. And so even in Genesis uh, 3, you have like work, which God designed and intended. This is good, so there will be work in in the new earth. Sorry, some of you are like, we should get to heaven without the work anymore. No, work is a good thing. Now now we're living under the curse of work because what does it say? What did God say for Adam? There will be toil. It will be hard. We know that. We experience that. Um, What did he say for Eve? That you're... Child labor will be hard and work and difficult and painful. Um, But then all throughout the scripture, we see glimpses of God wanting to restore life back to how his original intent. Okay? Um, So even in the curse, one of the things that we see is we we see um, this, this separation between really the dwelling place of God and the dwelling place of man. Right, and then you get to like, even you look at the sacrificial system in the scriptures with with temples and animal sacrifices. God 
portraying this picture that he wants to restore what he originally intended. He wants to restore fellowship with his creatures. Um, And then you have Christ, who all those illustrations in the Old Testament point to the New Testament. You have Christ, who comes as a picture of God's desire to dwell with us. It's crazy. It's awesome. God's desire to dwell with us because all throughout this whole journey, God's wanting to get us back to Eden, and I believe even a better version of Eden. And we'll talk about some of that in a little bit, but I want you to, I want you to look at uh, Revelation 20, 22 real quick. Um, this picture of really parallels between what we see in Genesis 2 and Revelation 22, um, talking about this, this river called the river of life. It says, then the angels showed me the river of the water of life. Bright as crystal. So we know in the Garden of Eden that there was a river. There were several rivers surrounding the Garden of Eden. Those rivers were what brought life to the garden. They're what watered the garden, the trees there, everything in the garden. And here in the renewed and the restored Eden, we see a river, a river of life. Um, But it's even more incredible. Bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 fruits, with its 12 kinds of fruits. And I just love this. So it talks about this tree of life, 12 kinds of fruits yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Like, I get that picture. Okay, so there's this curse over everything. And through the restoration work of Jesus Christ and the promise of God returning to restore what's been broken, he, he uses this tree as an illustration of the healing of the nations. That God wants to remove the curse and bring healing and restore um, what he originally intended. And it goes on to say, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. And they will see his face and his name will be on their forehead and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever out. I like that picture of the idea that they'll reign forever and ever. Because what do we know about our role on the earth? What's our job on the earth? What was the mandate God gave Adam and Eve? What? Subdue the earth, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, rule, take care of my creation. But even that is under the curse and there's a war. So here we are working really, really hard to honor what God wants, to to work the garden and the goodness of God's creation and, and what's happening at the same time. We have enemies, we have the devil, we have demon oppression that are waging war against our spirit-filled dominion and the promises that there'll come a moment, there'll come a day where that dominion, we will be able to rule and reign freely to take care of what God said, this is good. But now it's, it's work and it's hard. And, um, but, so let's, let's go on to this idea of um, heaven more specifically. Uh, so here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to name, uh, just kind of out loud, uh, I don't care if you all say it at once or kind of popcorn it or whatever, just, but I want you to tell me someone you know that's, that you would say is in heaven. My dad. Your dad. 
Smith, Grandpa. Dad. <laughs> Jesus, thanks, Rick. Sunday school answer, <laughs> right? God, Holy Spirit, angels. <laughs> okay, um, and we can all think of um, maybe friends of friends or individuals that we know. Um, what if I told you this? What if I told you that the place where they are now, their current dwelling, is different from where they will spend eternity? different. So the place where dad is, grandpa is, friend's brother, like it's different. Um, there's this, I think there's this, uh, this struggle and this concept a lot of times in our minds that we, we think heaven can't change. And Randy Alcorn in his big fat honking book that you should read, um, he says uh, that once we get past the reality that heaven, the, the, the false reality that heaven can't change, then we can begin to understand the realities of the future. Um, because the truth is, is that the Bible teaches us that when somebody dies, they go into what theologically is called the intermediate state. Okay? Or let me just put it uh, common terms, the present heaven. Okay? That they're, like, when believers die, when a Christian dies, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we believe that believers, you know, their spirits go directly to be with God in heaven. Okay, but there's, there's some differences, right? Because, like, like what do we know about, we, we know that this isn't like, we don't believe in purgatory or this view that, like, you go uh, to this heaven or you go to a place where you can maybe earn your way closer to God, or if you don't go to heaven, you can still have a second chance, or, no, this is heaven for those who've trusted in Christ, but um, Revelation, um, this is kind of crazy, but Revelation 6 uh, actually says that there's martyrs in heaven crying. It's like, wait, wait a second, does that, does that throw anybody for a loop? Like, what do we know, what, when we think of heaven, what do we think of? No more crying in heaven. There'll be no crying, right? He's like, I'll wipe away every tear from your eye. There'll be no crying and no death and no shame. But yet, Revelation 6, 9, you have the martyrs who are talking with God. And they say this, how long? They're crying out to God. How long, O Lord? Till you avenge this and make this right. You know what he says to him? Wait longer. There's going to be more that die the same death you die as a martyr and come to be with you. Okay, so the present heaven, there's crying. People in anguish. Um, so there's got to be a different place. There's got to be a change. For Hebrews 12 talks about this cloud of witnesses. Right? We know, Rick said this idea that we know Jesus is, is, Jesus called it paradise. We know Jesus is in paradise. Jesus called this place paradise. So the current heaven is like, it's glorious, right? What do we read all over Revelation is that, like, they're worshiping God for his holiness and his goodness and his greatness. So it's not this place of, like, everyone's just crying about what's going on down on earth. But it's a beautiful place, a place of worship. It's a place that's worthy of Christ's sacrifice. But it's not the final destination. So the people that are in heaven that you know, 
worthy of Christ's sacrifice. But it's not. It's not the final place. It's not the final destination. So um, several pictures um, that the Bible gives um, to describe the future heaven. Uh, the first one is a garden. When you think of a garden, what do you think of? What, kind of what, what do you think a garden would say about what heaven, the fu- we're talking about the future heaven, the new earth. What's a garden depict? Life. Yeah. What else? Plentiful. Say that again. Plentiful. Plentiful. Love it. Yeah. Growing. Growing. So there's a fruitfulness. Like there's aspects to. Like we were walking through this, and there are times when like we're laying out kind of how we're going through this, and I'm like, I just don't like this. Just doesn't work. I don't like that, or it just doesn't flow. And like it's like work, and and sometimes what we do isn't fruitful. God says that the, the future heaven where we will spend forever is fruitful. It's plentiful. We'll cultivate there. We'll work there. We'll be creative there. But it will be joyful because it's fruitful. Um, I want to read uh, Revelation 19. A picture of worship. Revelation 19. So the second picture is worship. Listen to this description. It says, verse 1, After this I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for His judgments are true and just. Jump down to verse 4. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah! And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you His servants, you who fear Him, small and great. So it's the second picture is like, it's a place of worship where God is adored and lifted up and his, it's all about him. Um, but yet those who are there get, the recipient, uh, get to receive from that, right? The joy of his presence. Um, the other picture um, is a wedding. What do you think that has to say about what heaven's like? A wedding. Celebration. Love it. We love celebrating. What else? What does a wedding symbolize? Unity. Unity. Hmm. Uh, Look down at chapter 19, verse 6. It says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. Listen to this. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to, cl- it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen and bright, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteousness, is the righteous deeds of the, of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Notice that word supper. It's a celebration. What is it depicting? It's depicting that God sent Jesus to unite us, to restore what was broken in Eden and say, I'm I'm calling you to a marriage with me, to union and unity with me. He's saying this is the culmination of it, that forever and ever and ever we will be with the one who created us. 
who made us, who beckons us into joy and beckons us into his presence. Um, the, the next picture is a river uh, we read from Revelation 22. What does a river depict? Life. What say? Refreshed. Refreshed. I love that word. Refreshed. Growth. I hear the like the idea of abundance and um, and that word. Thanks for that word. Refresh. That was refreshing. No, but seriously, that was really good. Um, and then the last picture is in Revelation twenty-one. Um, this is just amazing. Uh, it's the idea of a city. And in a second, uh, or a little bit here in a bit, you're going to have the chance to dream about this reality because there's some bone, some things we know bone-wise. This is what I'm talking about right now about what this means. Like it's describing heaven as a city. What, what do you think that means? Community. Community. Stuff happening. You're like, what if, what if I say the wrong thing? Cult- Dream. Culture. Culture. It was probably a target. That's a dreamer right there. Did you say that for you or for your wife? said it with a straight face. That's impressive. You did. But there's life. There's streets. There's gates. which symbolize a going in, going and coming. Um, but in Revelation 21, we, hit, we have this picture of, uh, of the new Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem was like the epicenter, is the epicenter of faith. Of the presence of God. It held the temple. It's where the Jews went and go for sacrifice. Okay, um, but look in uh, 21, 9. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance, like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And it goes on to describe its great walls. Um, And I won't take the time to read it. But if you look around verse like 16, it begins to describe the dimensions of this city. (laughs) The kids in heaven, that's a reminder. It begins to describe the dimensions. Um, Look at those dimensions later and do some math and... Um, you know, they could be symbolic in some regards, but it's just, it's just amazing the picture of heaven as a city, as culture, culture and life and civilization. Um, now, one of the things that's true is this picture. Um, growing up, a lot of times what, what I was taught or what I heard, what I was taught isn't always what was taught. It's sometimes you're taught something, but then you make it into something else. But what I heard was that all this is just going to burn. Right? Like all this is just going to come to nothing and it's just going to be destroyed. Um, and then God's going to do something new. Um, one, uh, one writer uh, put it this way when he said, uh, God in his redemptive activity does not destroy the work of his hands, but cleanses them from sin and perfects them so they may finally reach the goal for which he created them. 
Okay, like when, when you get to um, when you get to Romans chapter eight, Romans chapter eight. Here, here's what it says: It says, "For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us." So it's like what we're experiencing now isn't even worth comparing with what's to come. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So picture that. The creation waits with eager longing. Any of you like wait for like, I just want to get out of this body. I just want to get out of this, like just this world and the curse. And so there's like this struggle at times. But what's crazy is it says the creation. So it's not just God's people. It's everything is longing to be set free. So, so trees and plants and animals and everything that God's created, Scripture says, is groaning to some degree to be set free. Okay, that kind of language is not, like, you don't groan to be killed. Like, like I want to be set free, just kill me, right? Like, there's a, a groaning with an expectation that God's coming to get us. He's coming to rescue us and restore us to what he originally intended in the Garden of Eden. It says, The creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom, the glory of the children of God. Here's what's true. If everything just burns up, if everything's just destroyed, destroy the earth, destroy the heavens, let's make some new ones. Wouldn't that in some way mean that Satan got some type of victory? Gosh, I think it would. Right? Not the ultimate. We know, we know how the story ends. We know who wins, right? Like It isn't like, we'll see how this plays out. But God's design and God's heart is that there'd be a restoration. That this earth would be restored. And so what we read in, in Revelation 21, where it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. That's language of renewal, not language of removal. And let me get something new. But God renewing what he had intended. And then we see, then we see this union that happens. That, that heaven and earth will become one. Okay, picture uh, God coming to dwell with us. Picture God coming down to Adam and Eve, Right? To restore, bring restoration. Okay, picture Jesus coming in the incarnation into our presence to restore. All those are pictures that God in the future is going to, like, post-present heaven, he's going to bring heaven down to earth. And so when you think about heaven, you've got to think about, okay, there's a present heaven, but we're talking about the future heaven, but then there's going to be a new earth, but he- the future heaven and the new earth really become one. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 1, where it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ. Here it is. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Another passage talks about 
that it may come under one head, Jesus Christ. Um, Alcorn in his book says, uh, Heaven is God's home, earth is our home. Jesus Christ, as the God-man, forever links God and mankind, and thereby forever links heaven and earth. As Ephesians 1.10 demonstrates, this idea of earth and heaven becoming one is explicitly biblical. Christ will make earth into heaven and heaven into earth, just as the wall that separates God and mankind is torn down in Jesus, so too the wall that separates heaven and earth will be forever demolished. There will be no, or there will be one universe with all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, Jesus Christ. Now the dwelling place of God will be with men and he will live with them. It's incredible. It's incredible. Now, that's the bones. Uh, so, here, let's talk about the flesh. Here comes the flesh. Um, and just to give another analogy of that, I was just thinking about, as Dave was um, sharing about all of the, like, just the truth in the Bible um, about what we know about the new earth and, or, sorry, heaven and um, the new heaven and or the new earth. Sorry, I'm getting all confused. Um, is it's kind of like swimming. So you think about like we had Tobin and Mikhail a couple years ago, like in swimming lessons, and like they want to just go. They just want to go do their thing, and they want to go in the deep end, and they want to do all this stuff. And like we just kept saying, you have to be able to do the legwork. You have to be able to know what you're doing before you have the freedom to just swim. And so it's kind of like this is why this part is so important, that you have to know the, the fundamentals in Christianity all over the place. With lots, This has lots of application, but specifically with this one, before you can go to this next step of the springboard of like beginning to like anticipate and, and wonder and to, to speculate, that's that whole safe speculation. It's always grounded in truth. And, like, just to throw out, like, 1 Thessalonians 5.21 is that is the verse about, like, test everything. And that's what you always want to go back to. You test it. So if, if one day you're driving and you're thinking about heaven and you're like, ah, oh, I wonder. So you start to, like, take it back. Okay, well, what's my proof that that could be it? Is this my flesh? Is this the spirit? Is this grounded in worship? Is this? So it's, and at the end of the day, if you're like, eh, that's probably not it. I feel like that was probably just a really selfish thing. What did you do? You thought about the Lord. You meditate on it. You, you sat with him and asked him. Like, it's a win-win. You're going to come out knowing more about him. And so that's where, like, if this stuff that Dave shared, if you don't, if you don't, don't believe that and grasp that, you can't go any further into the, the, like, freedom. You can't dive deeper into the water and, and really, like, um, begin to, like, stand in amazement of what could be. Um, and so the next part is the flesh. So just to reiterate, that's the builds upon the framework that's already established um, with the, the bones. Um, and so I had two things I was going to share. I'm going to share one, and the other one I'm going to give you some places you can go to search for it. But I want you to, I'm going to give you homework. I want you to search on your own. Um, I just feel like that God was like, let them do it. Like, and so the first one I'm going to share um, is... Language. So in my studying and everything, um, I feel like there's an aspect of language that's really exciting. Um, and so if you turn to Revelation 7, 9, um, I'll wait a minute so you can get there. This is basically um, where it, we bring in like 
um, I'm just going to start reading. So after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all of the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. One thing I want to say, how cool is it, which has nothing to do with it, how cool is that, um, like, one day when those can be our words, like blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, like that's to our God. Like how cool will it be that one day when we can really say that and believe it? Like sometimes we say it because we're supposed to and God like heals us as we say it. But like one day we'll be able to sit, speak the truth of who he is and know fully and to believe with our whole self. And it's just really cool. That just came to me and I want to share. Um, but the part that I wanted to hone in on is, so back in verse 9, where it says, After I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from every tribe, from all peoples and languages, standing before the throne. So right there, um, it appears like we have, that there will be like nationalities possibly in heaven, um, that tribes, peoples, languages. So languages, as we know it, might still exist in have in the new earth, um, and the thing that like as we go forward too, um, it says that they came. Let's see, they fell on their faces before the throne, worshipped God, and saying, um, and they all said, "I'm sorry, I'm going to back up." Back in verse ten, and crying out with, and crying out with a loud voice. Okay, so let me reiterate that because that was kind of confusing. So we've got every nation, tribe, people, language standing before the throne. And then it says in verse 10, and crying out with a loud voice, one loud voice. And they say this, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Then it continues. So right there we have the possibility that there exist languages, but at the same time they're crying out in one loud voice all together in unison, salvation belongs to our God. And so there's an aspect that we might wonder that our native tongue could exists in the new earth. However, there could exist a language that is like the new earth language. And um, one thing to like look back to, we we're talking about how we're getting back to Eden um, and all that. If you go to Genesis 11, which you don't have to go, but I'll just explain it. Um, there's the passage about um, the Tower of Babel. And I'll read it. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there, and said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So right there it talks about, like, the original intention, if we are talking about how we're getting back to restoring Eden, there was one language, and it, wasn't, it was because of the curse, it was because of sin that God scattered um, because the cool thing with Dave saying, like, 
that the new Jerusalem will be coming down, and so like God's like heaven, God's dwelling place will come to earth. So new earth, the heaven will become here. Like so, He wants to descend. He wants to come to us. He showed that with with Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. All of these things pointing where He's like, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. This is what makes me unique. This is what makes me true. And so these the people of of um, at the Tower of Babel, like they wanted. They're like, let us. Like, we're going to go. We're going to go to heaven. And it was, the heart behind it was all about them. It was deceitful. And God was like, that's not okay. I come to you. And this is, and your hearts, you're creating yourself as an idol. You're putting your civilization and your knowledge and everything higher than me. And so it's not okay. And so that was, he scattered them. He, like, confused their languages. And so if we think about those two things, that there is a, it's a possibility. So this is the flesh. We've got scripture. It's a possibility that maybe we, there will be a language that, the one language that God intended, but however, we all might still know our current. So um, I'm going to skip forward a minute. I, I could go back. But when we talk about um, the behavior where we get to really dream, I'm just going to dream for a minute. So what that looks like is um, we could be in heaven and... I mean, I have a heart for lots of different cultures. I might be able to learn a language that I probably won't learn here. And what that what what is that going to do? All that's going to do is show me God's creativity and how He created and scattered and created different languages. And so I could forever be a learner and decide like I want to become fluent in French and like the way they communicate love is different than the way that like that my English word was love and. Uh, whatnot. So, like, that's the dreaming part of it. Is it wrong to think about that? No. It's grounded on truth. It might not exist. That's okay. I'm fine if it won't. I'm going to be happy there. But it might exist there. And it's kind of exciting to think about. Um, so that's language, just to give you a little bit. There are so many topics that you can go and dive in deeper and do this with. Um, one of them would be, what are our bodies like in heaven? This is the one I want you to, to study. I want you to, like, seek after... And the things I want to give you are, um, so we keep in mind that, like, in the new earth, there, there's a tree of life, and it bears a f- new fruit every month. So we have 12 fruits throughout this year, I guess, if we have year, um, where we're eating, and we're getting nourishment from this tree. So we eat. So what does that say about what the bodies that we'll have? So you're going to think about it. I want you to like learn. I want you to think about it. I want you to search the scripture, all that. Um, another thing would be think about like Jesus when he came back um, after his resurrection, what his form was. So in, um, in Acts, um, it talks about that. Luke 24 is a really good um, chapter or book and chapter to, to like really dive into figure out, like, what, it, what do I believe about our bodies? Like, will it be flesh? Will it be spirit? Will it be whatever? Like, sift through it. And then, once again, you take Thessalonians 5, you test it. First Thessalonians 5.21, test it. Um, and so, basically, glad you wrote that down. Um, we're going to go to the last little part, um, the behavior. And this is where, so like I said, I kind of fast-forwarded a minute to and gave you the example of the languages. Um, but the behavior, just as a reminder, so that's the behavior of, like, the dinosaurs, how they act. We really don't know, but we can dream based on the other things. Um, it's where you can safely dream under the context of what we know about the bones and flesh. It's okay to dream. I want to empower you. Like, this is how God got me through last year. He was like, dream. That is your home. Dream. Dream. Because... 
If you, if you allow it to be worship, and it's always rooted in God, what? Like, all these attributes of him, like, there's no end to it. And it's so beautiful. That is our home. This is a little tiny blimp. That is our home. That's our future. And so I want to empower you. It's okay to dream. We're created to do so. The creator created us to create and dream. Um, um, I want to go back to the the Tower of Babel story really quick and just give another analogy of like some of my dreams with that. Um, I'm not a words person, um, but I have a lot of respect for words. I feel like there's a lot of times that I'm like, I just don't know what to say. There's something I, I'm trying to I'm trying to talk to Dave and I'm like, ah, I just feel it. I can't figure out what I need to what I want to tell you or what I'm feeling. Um, and so if we look back to the Genesis 11, um, so Genesis 11, 1 through 7, in there where it says, Behold, they are one people, and they have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, this little part. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. So this is me dreaming. So with one language, God said, nothing that, like they've come together, they have one language, nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. Part of me wonders, like, what that says about the way we will communicate with each other. Like, will we be able to communicate in a way that is so powerful? That instead of just saying every or very or these words that have, you can interpret the way, like, you know, where you're typing on uh, Instagram or texting and, and it comes across as one way. Somebody took it the wrong way or whatever. Like, what if God's like, you know what, the language that I what will that he'll redeem is it's just going to be like so powerful that like communication's not an issue like what's one of the like most stressful things on relationships all relationships it's communication i deal with it i i mean my mom and i had so many fights growing up like it's communication and so he's even redeeming that um and so, so, so there's going to be Instagram in heaven? <laughs> there will be, possibly, technology. Dream. Um, so that's just me dreaming to say the power of words could be amazing to where there's nothing that stops us when we put together under the umbrella of worship. And, and I think, the, it, and I oh, think it's incredible to think about dreaming in light of perfection. Because even like language and thinking about communication, the difficulty of communication... Um, like, what if there were no barriers? Like, if you've ever had to talk with somebody who maybe is deaf or maybe speaks another language, and it's challenging. You speak through a translator, or um, sometimes it's like your, you know, your spouse can translate your infant's words better than you can. So, like, what did what they just say? And um, it's frustrating, and it's like perfection. It's like there's no barriers. Like that's powerful, and that's and even in communicating with God, like it's not this picture that when we get to heaven we will know everything, and we will be omniscient beings. Like we will spend forever knowing God, being known by God, knowing one another, being known by one another, without the curse. It's incredible. Mm. Um. So I just want to give you, or I'm going to kind of wrap up, and then, like I said, we're going to just give you a chance just to dream a little bit before we send you out. Um, and I think that's important. I think if we leave here in a little bit, and you haven't even just, like, 
started thinking, if you leave here not thinking about that as you drive away, then like, I feel like that we kind of failed. I mean, this is obedience, so we didn't fail. But it just feels like, I think God wants you to take something practical away, and then he will just do whatever he wants with that. Um, But before we get there, um, one of the ways that um, I dream and play, um, I have some friends that happen to be in this room, um, and we, if we see a couch online, or if we see a house or something, like, we'll just text each other, and we'll be like, that's my heaven house, that's my heaven couch, or, like, we just start this whole, like, that probably, it's just dreaming, like, that has my personality written all over it, like, I love that, I won't get that here, I claim it for heaven, and so, Jeff and I do that, too, <laughs> And there's like a beauty, and there's a. My heaven shotgun. (laughs) There's a. There's a beauty, and there's an aspect that's really playful and fun with that, and I think that God honors that because He's like, you know what? I'm I am thinking about Him because when I say that couch has my personality written all over it, I'm thinking this is how God has created me as a worshiper and wired me to like that print and that style, and when I get to the new earth. That will be an aspect of worship, to be like, you created that in me. Like, I'm going to celebrate you, and that's an expression of my celebration of you. Like, when we start to think about that language and processing things, like when I'm at the grocery store, and I see, I see, a, this is going to make me sound so old, I see, like, a younger person helping an older person or whatever, and, like, the beauty of that, that wasn't a mom that said you should go help them. Like, it's just the beauty in them, like, that points me to, to Christ. It should always. Like, he's that. He, they're image bearers, and I'm seeing him in that. And so um, that playful aspect of it, I think, is God-honoring. And I think we have freedom to do that. Um, and that's the behavior part. So so my homework assignment for you is to go home and search the Instagram hashtag Heaven Home. No, well, I've already have. It's not. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, um, there's a, a phrase I want you to take with this whole behavior part. It's the wooing of God. I, beha- I believe that the behavior part, this dreaming, is the way God woos us. He just pulls us into it. He's like, come a little deeper. This is who I am. This is how creative I am. I, I think that there'll be different colors in heaven. I don't think he just gave us the, like, all of the color scheme. I think we'll get there and be like, oh, I've never seen that shade of anything. Like, there'll be different colors. Because that should excite us, right? It's just colors. But it's exciting because we were built for, we were fashioned for somewhere else. This is not, we feel the curse day in, day out. And we feel the curse in ways we don't even realize. Let's say you're low, like I was a year ago, and I was like, I just want to get out. I just want to, and he was like, nope, keep going, keep going this heaven. Let's say you're high, like you're having, you're just like, I love life. I don't want to go anywhere. It's the same idol. Anything that pulls us away that all we focus, we have tunnel vision on where we're at, like, that's where God doesn't want us to. If you're like, I love my house, I love this, I don't want anything to change, you're not living in the reality of the new earth and where you belong. You're, li- you're focusing on this is yours. In the same way that you're like, I can't do this. You're living defeated. And so it goes both ways. The enemy wants extremes. If you find yourself in this extreme, that he's trying to pull you away from the reality of where we, we really live. Um, and so the last... Um, I talked about how as long as we're under that whole worship, we like view view it all as like glory to God. Like that's where our freedom runs. After we've gone through like the flesh, the blo- the the blo- um, 
bones and the flesh part. Here's my last personal example, and then we're going to dream and wrap this up. Um, so I, um, I've struggled for a really long time with the fact that, like, I live in the same city that I grew up in. I live less than a mile away from the house I've li- I moved to when I was 16. Like, my heart, you wouldn't know this, but, like, I have this adventurous heart. Like, I love adventure. If I could live in, in Colorado, I would. If, I mean, I always say, if I could have created and done all my whole thing in my life, like, I would have, and this sounds extreme, but I would have backpacked across the whole, uni- the whole world, would have stayed in hostels, and I would have just, like, studied cultures and all of this stuff. Like, that's, that's who I feel like I am on the inside. And so the, for years I was like, well, this is my life. It doesn't look anything like that. So that must not be from the Lord. That must just be, like, me wanting to, like, escape. And, like, God's just really showed me. He's like, nope, that's you. I made you that way. And you know what? You might not ever live that adventure here. But I made that for you, and this is me, like, dreaming and allowing God to woo me in it. I feel like he says, I made that for you for the new earth. I gave you that desire because that's who you're going to be. Not here. That, not, you're going to be their home. This isn't home. That's for the new earth. And, like, I, as the more I process through that, like, how there might be aspects in us that, like, he's just like, just wait. Just wait. You, that is you. I created you that way. When I redeem all things and I reverse the curse, that's going to be a part of your journey for eternity. Yep, you might spend a couple years doing that and then a couple years doing this and then that. Like, there's, and there's no stopping that. And, and really, like, I feel the freedom to say that because I know that it's coming from a place of worship. And, um, you know, you think about babies that were never born. Like, God made them. They never stepped foot here. So they were made for the new earth. Their dreams, God fashioned them for there because he knew they were not going to be here. The intention was for them to stay. The curse stripped them away from that. So they're living their adventure there, not here. And so when you start to think about those are just deep things. They're crazy things that you don't usually think about. We have freedom to think about that. Um, and so we're, I'm just going to play a song. Um, and it's, it's basically, it doesn't have anything to do really with heaven. It doesn't say the words heaven. Um, but I'm gonna have you do it. Is it on there? Yeah, um, you are the beauty. But don't hit it play until I'm ready because it starts right away. Um, but I want you to think about it and let the spirit like minister to your heart because the main words are you are the beauty and so in all that is beautiful and just give some examples and I think when you start to see God like you start to see the beauty and then you say that's that's actually Christ that's like that's him that's him that's him then you begin to start to, like, practice seeing and being able to, like, dream. Because when you start to see him, you're like, those are attributes of him, and he just reveals himself. Um, And so I want you to just ask the Lord, what does that, like, listen, and if he has something, and um, for the sake of lack of time, um, we won't be able to talk about our dreams, but just, I challenge you, like, just ask the Lord to, like, give you a heart to dream. Um, And if you feel, you come out, you know, like that's not no, nope, that's not it. Then you know him better at the end of the day. Um, so here's the song, and then I guess we'll just pray when we end, and then we can be done.
burning with your song, the sun and moon and stars. They fill the skies with awe, but you shine through them all. You are the Fine. 